So we began, we began a brand new series last Wednesday, last Wednesday called Me to We, God's View of You. And the big idea, the big idea from last Wednesday was this, that you, that you, if you are in a relationship with God, if you are in a relationship with God, that he sees you as new, reconciled child. That when God looks at you, hey, thanks, Lord, I appreciate that, what's up? You still got that baptismal glow. By the way, you guys, Lauren, can you just stand up for a quick second? Um, Lauren, y'all don't even know why you're cheering yet. Lauren got in the baptismal dunk tank on Sunday and got baptized, which is awesome. And she still got that baptismal glow. I love that. Have a seat, Lauren. Thank you so much. Um, last week, last week, we talked about this truth, this reality, that you are a new reconciled child of God. That when God looks at you, if you are in Christ, that when God looks at you, he sees you as brand new. That whatever your past has looked like, whatever your journey has been, whatever sins you have committed, whatever your story has been, that God has made you a brand new creation. And it gets better than that. That not only are you a new creation, but you have been reconciled, that you've been brought back to God, that it cost him everything, but he did it because you're worth it. And he brought you back. Hello, is that good? Guys, give it up for Mel. Always killing it, always making it happen. Thank you, Mel. Um, that you're new, that you have been reconciled, you've been brought back to God, and that you are a child. And we watched that video together of those kids that a lot of people would say, ah, it's too much for me and my family to handle, or nah, I'm not really interested in associating with those kids or connecting with those kids. And there was this family who chose to adopt these kids. And in the same way, in the same way, God has adopted you and chosen you as his child. But there's a danger, actually. There's, there's a danger with you and I staying in the category of me and understanding me and becoming so obsessed with me and my story that when we do that, we lose out on, I think, where God actually wants to take us, and it's to a better view of we. That as long as we're staying so focused on me, we cannot see the we that he created us for. We cannot see that he designed us to actually be in community. And for our community here, for HSM, this might be one of the most important ideas that we're going to cover all year. And it's because here's what I want you to do. I want you to look around the room. I want you to make like awkward eye contact with people. Make awkward eye contact. Look around the room. You know what's awesome about this place? There's an incredible amount of diversity. There, there's a lot of difference in this room. But as we're about to see, if we will move, if we will move from becoming so upset, is that, I'm sorry guys. Yeah, is that better? Okay, here, I'll try this. Maybe if I just have it out right there. Is that okay, Mel? We'll try that, we'll try it. It's starting again? No! Can everyone hear it? I can't hear it. I don't care. All right, anyways, here we go. All right, all right. I want you to begin to think tonight. I want you to begin to think, not just about yourself, not just about your desires, not just about your wants, but tonight I want us to begin thinking about what it means to be in a community 
with each other. I want you to begin thinking about this question. Is your end goal a better me or is your end goal a better we? Think about that question. Is your end goal, like is your life trajectory, is the path that you're on focused on a better me or is it focused on this idea that we could actually be better together? And if we had a mindset where we were thinking about the other even more so than thinking about our own selves, what could God do with that? I mean, I mean, you watch the selfishness of a kid, right? Like, you've all seen my kids. You've all seen other kids. It's cute for a little while, but if they remain there, if they remain in that place, that's incredibly destructive, and that's a horrible idea. No, let's just turn it off. good let's see let's see yay is that better all right all right here we go here we go let's stay we can do this we can do this here we go here we go maybe maybe guys i want to take us somewhere real quick here we go maybe maybe one of the reasons maybe one of the reasons that you've stopped thinking about your life in community you've stopped caring about the people around you is because you've been hurt. Or, or maybe your focus is, you're like, well, I gotta think about my college. I gotta think about where I'm going next. I gotta think about how people are perceiving me. That this is important to me. I'm, I'm thinking about me, me, me. Well, here's the thing. When God created humanity in the very beginning, he created them and he, he says he created Adam and, and Adam had this perfect relationship with him. This was before sin ever entered the story of the world. God had a perfect relationship with Adam, but then God said this. God said it's not good for Adam to be alone. Have you ever thought about that? That when things were perfect between God and Adam, he was still missing something that the fact that he wasn't in a relationship, and I'm not just talking about marriage, I'm talking about being in community with people, that because he wasn't in community, something was missing. You see, you, you were created for community, and, and here's the danger, here's the problem, that if you just live in the me, me, me world, if your life is just all about me, if, if it's all about me, the problem is this, you will see and treat people as an obstacle or an object. That you will see and you will view people as an obstacle and an object. What I mean by that is this. You will see others around you, you will see their success as the thing that's getting in the way of you succeeding. That you will see someone else's brokenness and a group of people coming around them and loving them and all of a sudden you're going, why isn't anybody caring about me? And it's because you see the people around you as an obstacle or you see everyone around you as an object that you can use for your own gain in whatever ways that you want. 
You see, the danger of the me, me, me mentality is that you see and you treat everyone as an obstacle or as an object. But if we want to actually move from being so consumed with me to actually thinking about we, then it begins, it begins with how we think. Find me in Galatians chapter three, Galatians chapter three, beginning in verse 26, Galatians three twenty-six. it begins this way. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. This is incredible. This is a great reminder of what we talked about last week that because of what Jesus has done, because God died on a cross for your life and invited you into relationship with himself, he has declared you to be a child. Now, now, one thing that every single person in this room has, this is one thing every single person in this room has is that we are all image bearers of God. This means we were created in his image. I mean, th this is the fundamental reason that it doesn't matter what religion or what belief system is or what anyone else has done, that we should always treat people as they are created in the image of God. This means that people have intrinsic worth. This means the person sitting next to you, the person that you share classes with, the people you date, that all of them have deep worth and value, not because they're American, not because of their accomplishments, but because they are made in the image of God. But then God did something. He realized he had, he had all these image bearers but that there was this constant separation between him and his people. And so in Christ, he did something. He invited the whole world to become his children. But this is something that he initially chose and then allows us to either choose or reject. And so if you're in this room and if you're in a relationship with Christ, then you are considered a child of God. You're not just an image bearer of God, but you are actually a child. You are in an intimate, deep relationship with God. And this is so significant. Check out what he says next. You are all children of God through faith. So this wasn't because of something you did. This was entirely because of something God did. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. This means that when Lauren and many of you got baptized, it was a symbol. It was a reminder. It was a beautiful picture that when you gave your life to Jesus and you became one of his kids, he put his jacket around you. That he put his, what's called righteousness, his rightness, his holiness, he puts it all on you. So that when God looks at you, when God looks at you, he sees you through the lens of Jesus. Now here's what's awesome. We still have all of our diversity. And God is actually the author of diversity. God loves diversity as we're gonna see. That God could have chosen to create a world where every single person looked the same, but he's like, that would suck. That'd be so lame if God had done it that way. But God's like, no, I'm gonna create every race. I'm gonna create the two genders. I'm gonna create different cultures because every one of them reflect the beauty of his creativity and his genius nature. But so far, there's a lot of me, right? Like, like you're made in the image of God. You are a child of God. But here's where it gets really awesome. That because you are a child of God, that actually changes and affects and directly shapes 
how it is that you interact with every other person around you. And so if you're in this room and, and you don't know Jesus, my hope is that at some point you make a decision to become a child of his. But what we're about to talk about literally only makes sense. It only makes sense if you follow Jesus because it's that crazy, because it's that bold, because it's that impossible apart from Christ. Check out what verse 28 says. In light of this truth that you're children and you've been baptized with Christ, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Now, these verses get misinterpreted all the time. I mean, as you look at those, you may think, okay, so does this mean that like God just views us all the same? No, not at all. You see, th these different classifications... They were ways of valuing certain people above other people. So in, in the first century, when Paul, who's writing this letter, he's specifically naming phrases where it was so easy for the listener to hear and go, oh, that person is above that person. Well, let's take the first one, for example. There is neither Jew nor Gentile. That for Jews, they believed that they were far above a Gentile. A Jew was somebody who followed God and a Gentile was somebody who didn't follow God. And they absolutely believed that they were so much more valuable and important than the Gentile. But in this one verse, he says, in light of what Christ has done, there is actually neither Jew nor Gentile in terms of classification, but both are equal in Christ. Did you catch that? Maybe, maybe let's make it this way. If you're a churchgoer, if you've been in HSM your whole life, if you grew up in a Christian home and you're sitting next to somebody who's new in the faith, who doesn't know as much Bible as you are, you know that when God looks at you, he goes equals. It doesn't matter what kind of upbringing you had in the body of Christ. God looks at him and says, I do not see either Jew or Gentile as more important than the other, but I see them as equal before God. Check out the next one. Neither slave nor free. This was an easy one in the first century. It was crystal clear that, that the person not enslaved was more valuable than the slave. But in this day and age, when slavery was so common, I mean, so common, for Paul to say these words, it was absolutely revolutionary. And he says, there's actually neither slave nor free in terms of how I see my people that I see them as being one in Christ. And then this one's amazing. Nor is there male and female. Ladies, ladies, in the first century, in the first century, if you're a woman, your worth and your value and your ownership is totally connected to the husband that you're married to. That in fact, in fact, it was believed that men actually viewed their wives, viewed the women around them as being their property. I heard, I heard a pastor say this recently. Every woman on planet earth should be a huge fan of Jesus because before Jesus and before the New Testament, women were treated as much lower, way less significant than any man. But in this moment, inspired because of the teachings of Jesus, Paul says, neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ. But what Paul did is he said, I'm going to take people who for hundreds of years 
maybe thousands of years, have seen themselves as, as never being compatible. And I'm going to let them know that because of what Christ did on the cross, all of us sit at the foot of the cross equal. He's not saying male and female don't exist. In fact, he's saying, I very specifically have created you male and female. But that one is not greater than the other, but that in Christ you are actually one. Let's, let's, let's land this plane for a quick second. If you are in this room right now, and if you have some prejudice against the other gender, you're not living one in Christ. That you're missing it. That if there's, if there's certain people who are not quite as religious as you are and you, um, you devalue them or you don't care about them as much, you're missing it. For the slave and free one, maybe there's somebody who has a different status than you. That you walk in and you just feel super cool and you feel like, man, there's somebody that's just not super cool. Paul is saying, you gotta understand that in Christ, you have been invited to become one with people, to love and to care for people, to serve people, to lay down your life for people. You, you see, this is so important because no longer are these things that would have divided us, the powerful component in our lives, these things no longer divide us. They actually, because of Christ, unite us. That as you look around this room, we have multiple races, we have multiple cultures, we have multiple backgrounds, we have people from all kinds of different schools. And what God would say is, this is beautiful. Like, this is incredible. God's desire for the church was never that we would all look the same, or that we would all sound the same, or that we would all feel the same way about something. No, no, no. God had a much bigger, more beautiful picture in mind. And it's that this diverse group of people come together who outside of Christ don't have a lot in common, but because they are in Christ, they actually have more in common than they don't. You see, the, the weightiness of this is because your identity is you're a child of God, because your identity is that you are an image bearer of God, because your identity is that Jesus died for you, that he, that he destroyed all of your sin and brought you into his freedom, that because that is true, you, you have the opportunity to be one with people that you would have formerly been divided with. Well, Paul uses another analogy. Flip with me. The last passage we're going to look at is 1 Corinthians chapter 12. He, 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 he wants us first to be thinking differently. And so we need to think differently about the people around us. That, that the people that we, used to, that we used to feel like, man, I'm so different than them. We're so divided, we're, they're an obstacle that because of what Christ has done, because we are one in Christ, that we are actually called to think about each other differently. That no longer is there Jew or Gentile, they're one in Christ. No longer is there slave and free, they're one in Christ. No longer is there male and female, and one is more valuable than the other, but we are one in Christ. And then Paul, to make this as crystal clear as possible, he uses an analogy and he says, I want this to shape how we live. The first big idea is how moving from me to we begins with actually how we think. Part two is moving from me to we begins with actually how we live. First Corinthians chapter 12, beginning in verse 12, it says this, just as a body, the one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body. So it is with Christ. 
For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Hey, Previch, come here real quick. Kyle, come here. Come on up here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're the only Kyle Previch in our group. So yeah, come on up here real quick. Um, guys, can you welcome Kyle real quick? Say what up, Kyle. All right, so I didn't clear this with you before, but um, here's the thing. Kyle, Kyle is a picture of what he's describing here. And I think sometimes some of us view ourselves as kind of separated from other people. And maybe even as we're hanging out there, we're not super connected with maybe that group or we don't ever go talk to that group. And we kind of see ourselves as isolated. And what Paul says is you need to understand that as the people of God, that as a bunch of me's, you actually are better together. That you're better together connected, just like Kyle's body is better that it's connected. I mean, there, there's many parts to Kyle's body. He's got his like semi-ripped arms right here, like a little work to be done. That's okay. He's got, I would say decent hair. Does everyone feel pretty good about his hair? It's good. No, nobody likes your hair. Okay, so he's got a great smile. He's got strong swimming legs. He's a water polo guy. I don't know if you guys knew that. Yeah. But this is Kyle. This is Kyle. And here's the thing, here's the thing, here's the thing, here's the thing. If we were to like, like cut off Kyle's arm, this is really gross. And Kyle's arm was to just like kind of flop over here or whatever. Not only would the arm like be in really bad shape, right? Like the arm, unless we had Nurse Terry just come up and sit, stitch it back together. The arm would be like right here, not doing well. And neither would Kyle. To illustrate this, Courtney, where's that knife? Let me see that knife. I'm just kidding you guys. I would never do that like while we're recording. So Kyle, the scriptures give us a picture that the whole body is reflective of who we are. And here's what's awesome, here's what's awesome. As Kyle walks around, as he interacts, multiple parts of his body are actually functioning together. That they're actually working together for a greater good, for something bigger than themselves. Like his arm isn't just like wandering over here, like I really wanna to touch the pole and like his whole body's in opposition to that, right? Like his whole body has to work together and move together in order to really accomplish a bigger goal. And what Paul would say is we are just like that. Now I'm gonna let Kyle sit down and you can just imagine his body up here. Give it up for Kyle. Now, check this out, check this out. Now, if the foot if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. There's some of you, there's some of you who you're absolutely convinced that you just don't fit in here. That you're absolutely convinced that your part of the body has no place here. And that is a lie from the pit of hell. That you, no matter how you feel, are not only unique, but you are useful. That every part of the body is unique and useful. And because you are a new reconciled child of God, you get to move from just thinking about me to actually thinking about we, to thinking about us, to thinking about this reality that we are better together. 
And I don't want to challenge you. So, so I want to encourage those of you that you're feeling like you don't belong here. You need to know that you are unique and you are useful. I want to challenge some of you who you have made a commitment for whatever reason to devalue other parts of the body. That there, there's certain people and it's just, it's just the sin that we all fall into. I fall into it too. Where you think that because of your situation and you look at somebody else, maybe it's even someone else in this room and you devalue that person. You devalue that part of the body of Christ. Here's what I want to challenge you to do. I want to challenge you to actively pursue the part of the body of Christ that is most different from you. I want you to think about that. What if HSM became a place where every Wednesday when we gather and every Sunday where we were, when we were in main service and serving together, that we said, I am going to actively pursue a part of the body of Christ that is so different from me. This could be somebody of a different race. This could be somebody of a different background. This could be somebody of a different upbringing. But because, because our diversity unites us because of what Jesus has done, you and I can make a decision to actively pursue the parts of the body that are so different from us. Jump forward to, uh, to verse 24. While our presentable parts need no special treatment, check out this phrase, but God has put the body together. But God, it was God's idea. It was God's idea that students of different schools, of different grades, of different backgrounds, of different races, of different cultures, it was God's idea to put this whole thing together. That God had this brilliant idea about what would it look like if my church reflected my creativity. And what if my church just wasn't one brand, one style, one person, one type? But what if my church, what if HSM, what if your small group is actually intentionally different and diverse because that's exactly how God put it together? Lastly, so that there, verse 25, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. HSM, would you say that you have, would you say that you have equal concern for every part of this body? For the ones that are challenging for you to connect with? For the ones that you don't know very well? Would you say that you have equal concern for who they are? And then lastly, if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Here's the closing two questions. Who's suffering around you and how can you actually suffer with them? Students, I want you to think about this. Who right now is suffering around you and how can you suffer with them? Or who is happy and celebrating around you and instead of you being jealous of them, how can you celebrate with them? I wonder if as I pray, I wonder if, I want, I want you to close your eyes real quick. I wonder if tonight, that maybe there's even some of you who you're about to head into a small group with people that you don't know very well, with people that are different than you. And maybe even up to this point, you've always seen that as an obstacle instead of an opportunity. 
And maybe you feel like, man, my small group is so different from me. And what if tonight God wants to whisper in your ear, I intended it that way. That I actually want you to be with people who are different than you. Because when your differences stop being a place of division and instead become a place of unity because of what Christ has done, then something special will happen. And you will experience God's grace and his love and his transforming power in ways that you just can't when you stay focused on me, me, me. So Heavenly Father, we ask tonight that as we jump into small groups and as we process this way of thinking about us and the community, even more so than we think about ourselves, I pray you'd break down walls tonight. I pray that students would get to know new students. That we would become the most loving place. Not because we're all the same, but because we're different. And in Christ, our differences actually bring us together. There's less that we're different about and more that we're united about because of what Christ has done for us. And so God, as we move from me to we, I pray that we would think differently and we would live differently. In Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said, amen.